0: All right, let's pray before we get into our, the rest of our service today. Heavenly Father, we invite you to come and speak to us and express your heart to us in a way that we will understand, in a way that we can respond to, and in a way that you can then do the glorious, amazing things that you love to do in our lives as we respond to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, when I was in high school, I used to be a little bit of a thrill seeker. Um, I won't tell you all of the different things I did because some of them may have been illegal, but um, uh, one of the things that I really loved to do was cliff jumping. Um, and I grew up on Maui, which is the best place in the world if you're into cliff jumping. Um, I grew up 10 minutes away from Black Rock, which is um, uh, maybe a 20-foot, nice, easy jump at the end of Kaanapali Beach, um, where you could go, and that's where me and my high school friends would uh, went and learned how to do it. We would do some trick jumps and impress the tourist girls, and it was just a, a fun place to go, but at some point, we decided to level up and go to the cliffs at the backside of the Sheraton Resort. And that was like maybe a 40-foot jump or somewhere in that that region. And what was really exciting about it was you can't actually see the edge of the cliff because they have this hedge there that I think they planted it to keep people from jumping off of it. But it just upped the challenge for us. So basically, You can't stand at the edge of the cliff because there's a hedge there. You can't even see the edge of the cliff um, until you're flying over it. So what you would do is you would back up and you would take a running start and you would jump as far and hard as you could. And as you're floating over the hedge, all of a sudden, the ground falls beneath your feet and you see the most beautiful, terrifying sight you've ever seen. (laughs) Basically, you see the the brilliant blue sky in front of you, washing down to the horizon, and you see the, the, the rich, dark blue sapphire sparkling of the ocean beneath you, rising up to meet you, it's it's like the this jaws of the universe that's gaping before you as you hurl through midair, and it was a it's like time stood still at that moment, and there's just this transcendent uh, second of of dread and wonder and awe all at the same time as you. As you feel yourself just uh, suspended in midair, and it was—it was, it was just—it was crazy. It was like the 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 moment that that I could just feel my heart flying up into my throat, and and it's at that moment there's no turning back. Like you can't stop in midair, like Wiley e. Coyote and say, hmm, I wonder if I really want to go through with this. Yeah, I mean, when your foot leaves the ground, you're committed, whether you like it or not. And at that moment, all there is to do is just surrender to gravity as it pulls you down and Brings you down into the embrace of the waiting sea below, and and it, it just and you you when you hit the water you just you feel a surge of, of of adrenaline and a sting of the 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 surface of the water clapping you on the back as it drags you into the silent depths of weightless, just darkness, and it holds you there until the moment where you come back and you come towards the light and your face breaks the surface and you take a huge gasp of air and all that you feel at that moment is just pure, unadulterated joy. Just this infinite taste of, of just joy washing through you. And it, it was, it's, it's like there's nothing like it. And, and I'll, as, as you go through that, let me just say, it wasn't a cheap joy. It wasn't an easy joy. It was a costly, risky joy. It was a joy that demanded something of you. It required you to step out of your comfort zone. It was a joy that required you to surrender. It required uh, faith that you would actually survive this. It required just an embrace of the uncertainty of casting yourself at the mercy of the elements. It was was a costly, risky joy, but there's nothing like it. And I want to invite you this morning into a costly, risky kind of a joy. I want to invite you into a joy that comes, that requires something of you, that requires Uh, an embrace of casting yourself at the mercy of God. That requires a faith. It requires surrender. It requires risk. I want to invite you into that kind of a joy this morning because there's nothing like it. We are in Advent. And Advent is just a fancy religious word for arrival. It's the time of year when we celebrate the arrival of Christ. And we're going to look at one of the typical Advent stories. Uh, so if you'll open your Bible to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, or your Bible app, open something or other to that part of the Scripture, and we're going to see here two different groups of people with two very different responses to the arrival of of the Christ child. We're going to see that there's two very different responses and two very different outcomes to this advent of the Messiah. First, we're going to see in verses 1 through 8, the arrival of Christ elicits two different responses, worship or opposition. The advent of the Messiah either brings us to our knees before God, or makes us arise in arms against God. And these are the the responses that we see in this story. Let's read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring word that I too may come and worship him. So we see two different groups of people, two very different responses to the coming of the Christ. Some see him as a king worthy of worship. Some see him as a threat that needs to be opposed. Now, the first group we run into are the magi, uh, wise men from the east, or or, as I was first introduced to them, we three kings of Orientar. And I learned later that, first of all, we don't know there were three of them. Secondly, there probably were not kings. And thirdly, there is no place called Orientar. Um, I I realized that the, the line breaks in the middle of the sentence, and it's, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar or something like that. And so it sounded like a nice place though, Orient are. Um, uh, but they're actually, these these magi are most likely from Babylon, which is ironic because in most of the Bible story, the Babylonians are the bad guys. They're the, they're the oppressors who took Israel into captivity. They're the the villains, the enemies, the, the, the colonizers. These are the guys that have that are supposed to be the bad guys in the story. And yet, here are these wise men from Babylon who come to worship the Messiah. And they come and they they ask, where is he who has been born? King of the Jews, for we saw his star when it rose. We've come to worship him. And that, that word worship is the Greek word proskuneo, which is, um, it, it literally is pros is towards, kuneo is to kiss. Um, it's, it's, it's the idea of the picture that, that proskunea is, is when someone of great authority comes to you and you want to express your honor and submission and your, your um, deference to that person, you would literally go down onto the ground on your face and either kiss the ground or the hem of their garment as a, as a physical sign of recognizing their absolute authority over you. That was what they were doing that is worship it's a physical act of absolute surrender humility submission reverence acknowledging someone's absolute authority and so here we have the babylonians coming to worship and they 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 to get from babylon to jerusalem it would have, it would have been very likely a, a possibly a year-long journey that they would have had to start and they would have had to, to upend their lives. They would have had to just say goodbye to all of their comforts and conveniences. They would have had to traverse these scorching hot deserts and, and rocky ravines and they would have had to uh, just, they would have had to, take their entire life and shake it around and put it down as like, I'm going to make this journey in order to recognize this authority that has changed the heavens around so that we would see that this is the rightful authority. This is the Messiah, the one to whom we owe allegiance. They would have rearrange their lives to come and bow down and say, here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down before the maker, before the one who commands the stars. This This is a costly worship. This is a risky worship. It's it's a worship that demanded something of them. It required them to step out of their convenience and their comfort. And it required them to surrender themselves. It required them to commit themselves to something. It required them to give of themselves for this worship of this child. Now, that's one group. <clears throat> then we run into a second group. In Jerusalem, we see Herod. And Herod has a very different response when he hears them coming to seek the king of the Jews. It says he was troubled. And that, that word could also be translated, he was Frightened. He was disturbed. He was disoriented. When Herod hears about this king of the Jews, it bugs him. And he's actually the one, if you notice, who makes the connection between this idea of king of the Jews. And he's like, what do they mean by king of Could this be the Messiah? Like the prophesied one who was to come in the name of Yahweh their God and set up a kingdom that would never end? Is this him? Is he showing up? Because if he is, I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of a king showing up in my kingdom and I'm going to get rid of that very different response to the advent of the Messiah. It brought him into opposition because he realized very rightly that the Messiah showing up would cost him something. And he was not willing to pay that cost. It would cost upending his authority over his life, over his little kingdom. It would have cost him the the control that he wanted to have over his world. He was going to have to give that up if the Messiah shows up here in my kingdom. Two very different groups of people. Two very different responses to the coming Of the Messiah. And we'll see two very different results of those responses. Let's look at these results, these outcomes. We're going to see in the next couple of verses, verses 9 and 10, that for those who worship the Messiah, who worship Christ, find great joy. That's the outcome for this first group of people. Those who acknowledge the absolute authority of the Christ find this genuine, deep happiness. They experience this true human flourishing. Let's read verses 9 and 10. After listening to the king, they, that's the magi, went on their way. And behold... frankincense, and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So we see this this is the end of their journey. After this long, arduous journey, they finally come to where the child is, and they find joy. They find joy. Now, I I'm not quite sure how this worked, that this star somehow led them to a building. Like, that kind of, I, 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 I can't quite figure out how that works. But I, I do know this. It wasn't just a star leading them. It was the maker of the universe using a star to lead them. And I do know this, that in Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Whoever asks will, will be, let me just read it so I don't miss it up. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So Jesus is making this guarantee that if we are truly seeking God with all our hearts sincerely we are not on that quest alone because someone is on the other end of that request who will guide us who will make it happen so that when we seek we are not seeking alone someone is seeking us as well There is this invisible presence that will make sure that if we jump off and say, I am committed to finding and worshiping and acknowledging the authority of Christ over me. If I leap off, someone will be there to draw me into their embrace. I am not on my own if I cast myself out and say, I am going to worship Someone will meet me there and bring me into the depths where I will find a taste of eternal joy. I will get a taste of the joy that exists eternally, infinitely before the world began in the heart of God. There is a joy that is beyond anything you have ever experienced before. It has been going on for all eternity backwards. It will be going on for all eternity forwards. And we can participate in that forever and ever. Amen. So if I choose to acknowledge the authority of God, if I say I'm going to bow down and worship this Christ who has come, I am given the keys to an eternal joy. And it's a costly joy. It's a risky joy. It's a joy that demands something of you. It requires you to step out of your comfort zone. It requires you to make A commitment. It requires risk. It requires faith. It requires surrender. But if you step out and risk and surrender, joy is waiting to embrace you. Two different groups of people, two different responses to the arrival of the Christ and two very different outcomes. Now, there's a second outcome here that I need to tell you about. And to be honest, I I did not... I wanted to end the sermon right there, but part of my surrender to God is when I see stuff in the Scripture that kind of rubs me the wrong way, or this is is not a real positive way to go through a Christmas message. Like, what... there's this whole kind of tragedy at the end of the Christmas story that I kind of wished I could just ignore and let's all celebrate and be happy but that's part of my submission part of my acknowledging the authority of God who speaks through the scripture is if i if i think i know better than god i don't and so let's look at this last part of the scripture, which tells us that those who oppose Christ create great misery and destruction. Those who see God's authority as a threat end up wreaking havoc and pain. Let's read verses 11 through 18. I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Rama, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is the tragedy at the end of the Christmas story. The tragic ultimate outcome for those who decide to oppose Christ, those who decide to reject His authority over their lives, we see anger. We see destruction. We see death. We see pain and sorrow and misery. We see a generation of babies terminated because they were going to disrupt the authority of the people who were trying to maintain their authority over their lives so they enact a government endorsed solution to dispose of these problems and this is just one story of the consequences that happen When we decide to reject and oppose the authority of Christ in our lives. Two groups of people, two very different responses to the coming of Christ, two very different outcomes. Those who worship Christ, who acknowledge His authority, find great joy. And those who choose to oppose him end up creating destruction and misery. So we all have a choice to make, we all have some decisions to make. And it comes down to authority who will be the highest authority in our lives? Is it going to be the Christ? See, Herod had it right. That little baby, that sweet little smiling baby in the manger was the greatest threat to his reign that would ever be seen. Because that child showed up on earth to claim the allegiance of the people whom he created. And for those who bow down. And acknowledge his authority. That allegiance is going to lead to true. Infinite joy. To little tastes of that joy in this life. And often through great journeys and hardships. But that Decision will lead to joy. And the decision to oppose him, maybe through times of, of, you know, us getting what we want and all of that, but it eventually leads to misery. And so we have some choices to make. Are we going to embrace that costly, risky joy that is being offered to us today. Now some of us this is we might we might have been in church for our whole lives. We may, you know, be very familiar with all of the stories in the Bible, but we have never come to the point of acknowledging, yes, Christ has the authority over my life. We have never Taken the leap and given ourselves wholeheartedly to, to God. And this morning, you have that opportunity to do so, to surrender yourself to that costly joy, to surrender yourself to that invisible being who will in response to your casting yourself over the edge into his arms, he will catch you. Now, some of you guys, you might already, you might have made that decision. Yes, I'm a worshiper of Jesus. I I acknowledge his authority in my life. But maybe there's some area of your life that you know He's been nudging you towards. There's some area of your life that He's been calling you to make some choices and you've just been making excuses not to go there. You've been, mm, uh, let's, let's think about something else. And you've been not acknowledging His authority in some part of your life that He is moving and nudging, and saying, I want you to make this next step. Maybe that step for you is in, in your marriage. Maybe, maybe your, your relationship with your husband or wife has just kind of become just old, and you've kind of let it drift, and, or maybe, you know, they've just said that thing just one too many times and it's built this resentment in your heart. Or, or they've just hurt you by, by you know, what, they, what their, their actions rejecting you, their, their words saying things that, that make, you, make you just feel like they, they're not on your side anymore. And, and so you've put a distance. You've allowed this wall to show up between you, and you know deep down that God, the Messiah, the true authority in your life is saying, you need to renew this relationship. You need to make the effort. You need to step out of your comfort zone, make the commitment to go and say, you know what? I... I haven't been loving you the way that I know God wants me to love you. And I've allowed this distance to show up. And maybe it will require you to make some big choices, to to get in counseling, to to get someone to, to watch your kids for a while so you can get away and get connected again. Whatever it is, maybe you just need to talk to them and reopen that relationship, which might be really uncomfortable and really inconvenient, but that could be the place that your rightful king, your Messiah is saying, I want you to acknowledge my authority in this area because that area is going to steal your joy. That area is going to sabotage what I'm trying to do in your life, and trust me, even if it's a journey, even if it requires some risk, even if it requires some cost, you stepping into that with the king of the universe will end up leading to joy. Now, I don't know where that place might be for you, that God is calling you into something, and you've been shoving him aside, saying, no, I've, I've got this, I'm okay here. And God has been saying, no, you need to take care of this. You need to take a step. You need to jump out into my arms and allow me to catch you, wherever it is. Maybe, maybe for some of you, it's, you, you have been, you know deep down, that God has been calling you to commit to this church, to this community. He's been calling you to get involved. And you've been saying, "Mm, there's too many, you know, I, last time I got involved in a community, I I got betrayed. It was hurtful. Uh, You know, you might have excuses about it's just not the right time. It's not the, I mean, I don't have anyone here that I connect to and God is saying and you know he's saying deep down, you need to go out and do this. You need to make a commitment to something you don't even know what's on the other side of that hedge. You need to step out in faith and and get connected and make the phone call or, or talk to that person or whatever it is that you're Rightful king is calling you to do in response to his authority. And I would imagine there are uh, dozens of different ways in this room that God has been speaking to your heart and saying, This is your next step in acknowledging me, in being a worshiper of me. This is your next step. That if you take this step, this is your beginning, your journey of worship, where you are taking a step of faith, where you are casting yourself out into the unknown in response to the the invisible voice of God saying, this is how you worship me, by taking this step, by submitting to my authority here, by doing this step that I've been trying to get you to do. Whatever it is, that is your next step. I want you to respond to that this morning. Can we have the worship team come forward? Now, worship is not just singing out songs, although that is an amazing way for us to declare our submission, our allegiance to God, but this is a, this is a good step of worship to, to give us a space to respond to whatever God is doing in your heart, whatever God is calling you to, and I'm going to ask you to do something risky today. I'm going to ask you to do something that might cost a little bit. Whatever it is that you are struggling with, where God is nudging you and saying, take this step, I'm going to ask you, if you're ready to declare and make a declaration saying, I'm going to surrender to God's agenda in my life, I want you to stand up where you are as we begin worshiping, and I want you in that standing to declare, God, I am here to worship. I am casting myself into your arms as your worshiper to embrace me and to lead me to the next step because I know that joy is on the other side. I want you, if you're, if you're in a place where you, you realize, I need to take a step of faith here. I need to become a worshiper of God in this area or that area. I want you to stand in declaration. Yes, it's you. I surrender myself to you, the rightful king, the Messiah. I give myself unreservedly, wholly to you, whatever the cost. And I know that you will lead me forth